Hey, I'm Logan. And I'm Alyssa. Congratulations, you said your name correctly at the start of the podcast, like podcasters are supposed to do. Thank you. Um, This is The Marketer's Cut, where we talk about movie marketing, a newer movie and an older movie, and some of our own cool marketing ideas, and, and all the fun stuff that goes into movie marketing. Yes, we do. Wow, you're being very robotic. Is that what is that a good way to describe it's it? It's called pronunciation, oh, bitch. E- enunciation? What's the difference between pronunciating and enunciating? I didn't say that. I'm 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 saying that. Okay. This week we're talking about um the what I like to call the Rosamund Pike collection. You know, I'm going to ignore you this whole podcast. <laughs> Okay, um, it's the Rosamund Pike collection. We're talking about Jay Blakeson's I Care A Lot and David Fincher's Gone Girl. Pretty exciting episode, if you ask me, the host of this podcast. So the, today on my episode of Marketers okay. Cut. <laughs> Don't ignore me, please. Are you ready to start talking about I Care A Lot? Yes, I am. Are you ready to show me that you care a lot about our podcast and talk about I Care A Lot? Yeah, um... Okay. Uh, uh, I've start talking. Well, I'm gonna start talking about it now. Well, I thought you said you wanted me to talk about it. I just I asked if you were ready for us to both go into There's it. There's not really much to talk about, but okay. Well, okay. Um, this movie came out uh really recently, uh February nineteenth, twenty twenty one, on Netflix in the U.S. and other places, and um came out on Amazon Prime Video in Australia, New Zealand, Canada other places like that. Um, it's directed by Jay Blakeson, who you knows an interesting name. First name Jay, last name Blakeson. I'd never heard of him before, so I did some research. I mean, he obviously did The Fifth Wave. Okay, see, I did some research before we started this episode. Um, I and, already knew that. And I was like, he directed a movie called The Fifth Wave? What's that? And then I clicked on it and saw the poster, and I do remember when that movie came out. It stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, not a lot of people talked about it, so... This seems to be Jay Blakeson's uh, biggest movie to date, which is exciting for him, and maybe for us, too. What do you think? I mean, I guess if we're doing it on our podcast, it must be kind of exciting to us. It must be exciting. Honestly, if your movie's on our podcast, you've made it. That's the new That's the new uh, met- metric to look at. You know what I'm saying? The new benchmark. Yeah, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Well... But- have a little faith in us, please. Nope. Okay. Um, so here's a synopsis from IMDb. A crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. Exciting, right? Yeah, she's a gremlin. Spoiler <laughs> alert, she's actually a gremlin. She's And you don't fuck with a gremlin. <laughs> I can't argue that. Um... Yeah, so uh, I did some research on the stuff. There's not a ton of marketing materials that we found for it. I do want to talk really quickly about uh, sort of the online discourse, TM, uh, about this film. And that um, there are a lot of people that are very upset and angry with this movie based on how it treats its, its I would say, objectively terrible protagonist. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about it? Well, people are angry. Because she's a bad person. And it seems like the movie kind of, as it gets to the end, is starting to say, like, hey, feel bad for her, please. Have some empathy. Which, on one hand, is, like, what what movies are supposed to do in some capacity. But on the other hand, 
you're asking a lot of your audience when you show like a a demon doing demon things, and then you're like, it's kind of a sweet demon though, right? What's the opposite of a gremlin? What are a gremlin's biggest enemies? That's what she is. Lim limgrins. Sorry, say that one more time. Lim limgrins. Okay, well. Wait, no, Lingrims. Lingrims. Yeah. Have Just do a little swappery, swappery roo. Okay, well, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel sorry for her. Yeah, I didn't, but I think a lot of people thought the movie is kind of like asking you to, which I do agree with that. So there's been a lot of like discussion about the movie, which probably has like boosted its overall kind of um, visibility in the marketplace, I would say. That's a good point. That's the only marketing they did for this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, so real quick, this movie opened at the Toronto, uh, Toronto International Film Festival on September 12th, 2020. Um, we've done a lot of movies recently that opened at this film festival. Maybe we should go one day. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, so it was picked up by three different distributors, uh, which is kind of, maybe it's normal. It's kind of wild. Um, so Netflix picked it up for U.S., Latin America, India, and more. Amazon Prime picked it up for Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, and then it was distributed in, in the UK by STX, uh, Black Bear's international distributor. And Black Bear is like the production company that made the movie. Um, so all these different distributors putting it out in different places. Uh, what I thought was kind of wild and impressive about it was that they did all come out on the same day. That is kind of impressive. I agree. Yeah. So um, it all came out on the same day. We just talked about how this movie has a lot of discourse, TM, TM, TM around it. And that means that you can see people arguing about it and say, hey, I want to go watch that. And it's probably available wherever you are. So um, good on them for making that happen that way. Uh, couldn't find any budget info. Um, there was some small box office. I think it made a couple thousand or tens of thousands of dollars internationally. It, it You know, it didn't really come out in theaters, though. Mm -hmm. um, Rotten Tomatoes, 81% critic score, 36% audience score. Man, that audience hated this fucking movie, huh? Which is wild, because like, I watched it, and I thought it would have been the opposite. I thought it would have been, you know, like a 36 critic, 81 audience. I thought it was going to be a crowd pleaser, but the more and more I think about it, maybe... Maybe not, yeah. It's asking too much of its audience, and it just pisses them off. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, so this is where we talk about the quote-unquote real marketing for this movie, and there wasn't much. There was a poster, which... I'd say it looks pretty bold and cool. Yeah, I think so, too. Her being, like, this red form makes her evil. And the muted color in the background is really cool. I love that we're bringing back Alyssa's art analysis of posters. Her color theory, you know? We did this, like, four or five with the soul poster a while ago. I love that we're bringing it back. I wish she wouldn't patronize me. I'm not patronizing you. Is that what... I'm... I'm sorry, but I don't think that's what I was doing. I just love it. Um, okay. You shouldn't talk about this. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm doing the marketing for this. There's no marketing. You go to their Instagram. I guess it's their Instagram. It's actually not verified. It has four posters, and it, the posters are basically character posters, and it says, hashtag I care a lot, hashtag Netflix, hashtag, and then the, the actor that's in the poster. That's it. That's that. You're done. They did marketing for the whole movie that way. Yeah. Uh, no Twitter, no Facebook. I looked. <laughs> I tried my best. 
there is nothing. They made a trailer. That was pretty good. And a poster. I mean, you kind of almost have to make a poster, though, right? Yeah. So they did bare minimum. Would you say that they did not care a lot about marketing this film on social media? I would 100% say they did not care at all. Actually, it'd be cool to start doing like a running segment where, like, you know, if we give the the film uh, the film's marketers the "I care a lot" stamp of approval, you know, it's like if you showed that you at least cared about marketing the film, you get the "I care a lot" stamp, you know. That's dumb because most <laughs> of them do actually care. Well, and, I know that's why it's funny. Uh, this one really stands out. This one, they did not care. Yeah. Okay. Um, you did mention the trailer there, which you're right. I thought it was a good trailer. It was, again, like really bold, like the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot's going on. It's really fast. You get to see Peter Dinklage being a evil boy. Uh, he always is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's move into the segment where we talk about our own marketing ideas for this film. Um, can I go first? Yeah, you know I never have any ideas, so okay. yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to take the really easy one, and my idea would be to post more than four times on Instagram. Um, at least six, I think. You need social, you need every, put it on Facebook, you need those grandmas to know that you care a lot, and then they might see it. They have Netflix. Like, However, you got to market somehow, you guys. Okay, so, yeah, you're right. You do need to get the grandma scared. Uh, which I remember I thought about this when I watched the movie. Um, and also a couple days later when I watched a different movie that reminded me of something. So do you remember Fargo? Do you remember when Fargo opens? No. Okay. So there's text on the screen and it's like, everything in this movie is real and it happened. We have, um, we have hidden the names of the character. We've changed the names of the characters out of respect for the living. And we have told everything else exactly as it happened out of respect for the dead. It's it's chilling, and then the Fargo TV series, like each each season, opens up with the same thing as well. Because that's the whole thing. Fargo actually wasn't based on a real story; it was like a a combination of a bunch of different like real stories that were fictionalized. But you lie to your audience in the beginning that way because you get some sort of like visceral. Like when I first watched Fargo, I believed it. Yeah, and I was like, oh wow, I can't believe that happened. Wild. Um, I also watched a movie uh, directed by, um, oh man, I think Ida Lupino. I'm, I might have gotten that wrong. Uh, it's called The Hitchhiker, so 1953. And it opens with something that's like, this could happen to you. You could pick up a hitchhiker and they could try to kill you. Just just so you know, this is scary and very real and could happen to you. Um they say at the beginning of the movie. They do. It's on text. The text on the screen at the beginning of the movie. So that so you know that it's about a hitchhiker who's going to try to kill the person. Well, it who... says this movie is like about a man, a car, and a gun, and the man owns the gun. And I can't remember the exact wording, but anyways, it it tries to scare you. It tries to say this could happen to anyone. Okay. So you do the same thing with this movie. You say, "Hey, your your grandma, this could happen to her." This did happen to your grandma specifically. Here's the true story of how it happened. And um, and if you do that in the beginning of the movie, maybe you can use that in marketing too, you know? You can write, write up some fake articles about how this happens all the time and share them. Fake, I mean, people share fake information on social media all the time. No big deal. No big deal. Um, so yeah, that could be pretty fun. 
I think I would do the opposite. Okay. Of, what does that mean? Of what the movie did. The, the limb grins? You would ha- no, you'd have to be a grandma scamming people who do this. It's like revenge. And you say, hey, guess what? We sabotage this lady. But for fun and for the movie, we did the opposite. Look, we actually can do good. We wrote about bad things. Look at this good thing we did. Interesting. Interesting. Think about that. So I guess you have a grandma and she's like, I don't know. She's like, oh, I'm incompetent. And they're like, haha, got him. Or she doesn't even have to. Oh, no, she tricks him. She says, I'm incompetent. And then they're like, oh, got him. And then she turns around and she goes, E equals MC squared. And they're like, oh. And then. What the fuck? Uh, she says, she makes up a bunch of lies. And then the other the people go to jail. She, she has a good lawyer. <laughs> and they, they were documenting everything. And they're able to actually, you know, take it, take it where it's supposed to go. You've completely lost me. <laughs> completely. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. You know what's kind of wild is, um, I think if I would have saw this movie three months ago, I would have said, there's no way. Like, what is this, like, whole guardianship thing? Like, there's no way that, that this would happen, you know? And, and maybe this movie does exaggerate it a little bit. But I do think it had the weird, completely coincidental benefit of coming out, like, what, a month after the New York Times presents framing Britney Spears, mm-hmm. um, which goes into a lot of like the uh, and now I'm forgetting what it's called. It's they don't call it guardianship in the the documentary. It's um, man. <sighs> well, you know what I mean. Where mm-hmm. her dad is in charge of her finances and everything, um, and it kind of explains what that is and how this is like a legal possibility and everything. And that documentary was like hugely popular conservatorship that's what it's called Mm -hmm. um so i think this movie did have like that slight benefit of coming out after a very popular documentary sort of explains the legal principle that this film kind of hinges on Mm -hmm. i don't know if you do anything with that i think maybe you just um well what you do is you hire some better lawyers you get britney the fuck out of there and then uh you free britney and then britney goes Fuck all these people who do this to old people. Uh, I don't think Britney would like to have anything to do with this movie. Well, I think she should. She should say, "It happened to me. It can happen to you." Uh, I'm gonna get all these old ladies out of these situations with my lawyers. She become like a a fighter yes. for the yes justice needs to be served. This would be a great like comic book series. What? A Britney Spears, like, serving justice where it needs to be served. Yeah, but she is, like, in a badass fucking red tight jumpsuit. and as, as always. As always. And she's kicking ass. And her trusty snake sidekick. Snake. Mm, you can't. The snake can't go with the red suit. It does. It clashes. Well, it's called combination of eras. No, you can't do that. You can't clash all the eras. It doesn't make sense. Not for Britney. Okay. Well, we do love Britney. Hashtag free Britney. Let's move on to Gone Girl. Are we good with that now? Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Um, Gone Girl. So uh, I... Girl gone. (laughs) I hate you. I love this movie. Um, I saw it when it came out in 2014. 
I also saw it. We saw it together. You don't Did have we? to say, I saw it in 2014. We both went to the fucking movie theater okay, and sat on. next well, then, to each other. Real quick, talk about what, what our experience was, if you remember it. I don't remember. I remember, I think it might have been near Valentine's Day. Uh, and I remember my parents also saw it around the time it came out. We saw it around the same time, but at separate times. Interesting. Um, you know, you said, I think, around Valentine's Day, and I just realized that I did not write down the release date of this movie, which, you know, when you're talking about movie marketing, seems like it might be a little bit essential. Oh, this came out near our birthday, October 3rd, so it was not... Uh, well, I don't... I guess I thought it was a holiday. I guess our holiday is our birthday. Okay, so look. Oh, <laughs> this is amazing. So I, sh- I keep tickets... I used to keep ticket stubs before everything went digital. Mm-hmm. Fuck the digital age. Yeah, also, you lost a lot of your ticket stubs. You found one in your pocket the other day, and you said, oh, wow. I did find my Uncut Gems ticket stub in my pocket yeah, the other day from December 2019. Point, but... Okay, we are going on a tangent a little bit, but it's worth it. So, um, I did just find my Gone Girl ticket stub, mm-hmm. and I would write a little note on the page that I put it in in the scrapbook. Mm-hmm. I'm so cool. Um, and I, I said, Gone Girl, with Alyssa, so good in all caps. So I did see it with you first. So, so, you, so you know that it was so good, but you don't fucking remember that I saw it with you? No, I remember we saw I saw it. I'm pretty sure I saw it with you. You did. It's now, number one, it's in your notes. And number two, I also saw it with you. Do you want to hear why I was maybe a little bit confused? Two days later, at the 1.30 p.m. showing, I saw it with my grandmother. I also said, with grandma, in all caps, still so good. I... Let's see if I saw it again after that. Um, there's no way you did. Nope. Nope. The movie that I saw before seeing Gone Girl twice, though, was, um, Addicted, a movie about a lot of sex that I watched alone at a theater, um, when I was a a junior in high school. But let's, let's not talk about that. You were a junior when you saw that? No, a senior, I guess. October 2014, we would have been seniors. Yep. Um, so I... Proof, I was a fan of this movie. I think Alyssa was too. And my grandma also loved it, I believe. Um, <sighs> this movie was made on a budget of $61 million. It opened to nearly $38 million. Um, overall made $369 million worldwide, 167 domestic, and 201 international. So this was like a runaway hit. It did so well. Um Rotten Tomato score, 87. I, I would also call it a runaway hit because I hit it when I watched it and then I ran away and I don't remember anything that happened in it until we watched it again. <laughs> you were like, I don't remember this movie at all. I don't remember any movie at all after I've seen it. Uh, do you know what happens in Paddington 2? Barely. Paddington 1, there's a bathtub. Paddington 2, he goes to jail. I remember that one a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm not good at remembering movies. <laughs> okay. Or books. What happened in that book I read? <laughs> I have no clue. So this movie had an 87% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, it, well, tell me what the audience score was. Also 87%. Wow. I read um, that on the screen before you said it. I know you did. Uh, <laughs> the rare, um, I like to call double whammy, um, where they're both the same. Therefore, the double. And they're, it's good, so it's a whammy. Okay. No, go on. <laughs> um, I had a cinema score of B, which I can't wrap my head around, because this movie did really well. I would think at least a B plus or an A minus. Yeah, he did about as well as you can imagine. I remember like the word of mouth around this movie being pretty strong. Like it was kind of in the zeitgeist at the time. And as you can see, Sorry, like Sorry, in the zygote? Did nope. you say in the embryo? Not the zygote. The okay. zygote. 
Um, and like as critics liked it, you know, it was it was critically uh, acclaimed. Acclaimed, that's the word. And audiences <laughs> also seemed to really like it on Rotten Tomatoes. So obviously, audience acclaimed. Audience acclaimed as well. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, the cinema score wasn't amazing. Could have been better. But let's talk about some of the reasons maybe the film did do so well. So we're going to move on into the marketing section. Probably because of the marketing, which... But listen, I Care A Lot also did good, and they didn't have marketing. Well, did I Care A Lot do that well? It released on Netflix, so we don't know. I mean, a lot of people were talking about it. That's true. Why? How? How do you know about this movie? Okay. It's like, do you know those TikToks where it's like, you know, you ask... It like says, like, what's, it'd be like, I Care A Lot uh, did, a, did a really good job. And it goes, and then that spooky music is kind of going on. But it's like, how? But how if they didn't market? How did they do oh, that? Oh, it's like when the beat drops. And, <laughs> okay, cool, cool, um, Okay, so let's talk about uh, the quote-unquote viral marketing for this. So we watched this movie, and in the middle of it, they're like, go to our website to help us find Amy. Uh, also, we're going to spoil Gone Girl in this, probably. So if you haven't seen Gone Girl, I guess... If you haven't I, seen Gone Girl, Amy goes missing. Okay, but I we're going to spoil more stuff, and I guess if you haven't seen it, don't listen, and I hate to tell you that, because like then we're going to go down into, into like negative listeners, <laughs> which sucks. <laughs> um, okay, but anyways, they say, hey, go to our website, www.findamazingamy.com, and we're watching this movie, and you're like, oh, I bet that's a cool marketing thing. Um, I went to it, it now redirects to like the distribution company's website. Did you uh, flashback website it? Oh, no, I didn't. Time machine uh, but I, web web machine? I did not, but I did find a website that talks about what was on it. You should have just flashback time machine website it. Well, that's not a verb. <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you about it for a little bit. So you go to this website, and it leads you to a Fox News affiliates coverage of Nick Dunn's missing wife. So it's like a news channel. Um, you even get like the news ticker. You get like stock numbers. Everyone loves their stocks, you know. Um, and then if you stay on the screen long enough, you'd get some clips from the trailer popping up on the screen. And then you'd also get links to the film's official like Twitter, Facebook. No, this says Google Plus profiles, which is like, yes. what a snapshot in time. Shows you exactly what time it was. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then you also get a link to the trailer on Apple. So that's pretty cool. You know, it's a pretty cool like, little little thing. You go to the website and you see like this news clip. Um, they also had a hotline number that you could call. It was one eight five five four Amy Tips. Did you call it? I did. It's disconnected. Okay. Which is very disappointing. But again, this website talked about what it says. What would it say? Um, so it says it leads you to a recording of somebody reading the opening pages of Jillian Flynn's book. And it's read with, like, a really monotone voice. It's really cold. There's some music that's under it, too. Um, and that's all it is. It's just reading the opening pages of the book, which I have not read the book. But I feel like if they're going to do that, the opening pages must be pretty chilling. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. And then there's also a lot about, like, the actual strategy of this film. So it was based on the novel by Gillian Flynn. The screenplay was also written by Gillian Flynn, um, which is cool. Uh, the novel, uh, at the time of release, was estimated to have been read by 6 million people. That's a lot of people. That's 6 million. Um, however, Fox Research estimated that this only represented about 8% of moviegoers. So that means a lot of moviegoers aren't really familiar with what Gone Girl is. Um, past, like, maybe having heard the name of the book or something. 
So uh, because of that, a big aspect of the marketing was like avoiding spoilers. So instead of opening at like an earlier festival, like Toronto International Film Festival, like we talked about earlier, this movie didn't actually open until a week before its release at the New York Film Festival. Um, and when it premiered, critics started raving about it. And the Rotten Tomato scores are really good. And originally, that wasn't a plan of the marketing. But those Rotten Tomato scores were rolled into the overall marketing plan because of how good they were. Huh. Um, another thing is the book was mainly popular and known among women. So Fox decided that the marketing campaign needed to like somehow focus on getting men to the theaters. Um, now, this seems a little counterintuitive, I think. I'm not sure why. Um, maybe okay. it's my antiquated view on gender roles. Not sure. But it says uh, their plan was to use the tagline, date night movie of the decade. And um, that's kind of how they centered it. Uh, they also were really, they were making the movie seem like it was about whether or not Nick Dunn killed his wife. The trailer was like, did he do it? Did Nick kill his wife? And um, I said, we're going to spoil the movie. That's not what the movie is about. You find out about an hour into the movie that that is not what happened. And it's mm-hmm. about something way more complex. Um, but anyways, uh, it seemed to have worked because males made over 40%, made up over 40% of the first week in audience. So, yeah, but I feel like it's because women were like, let's go see this movie about murder. Well, it kind of reminds me of the Deadpool, I think Deadpool 1, um, yeah, Deadpool 1 marketing campaign. Where it was, like, advertised as, like, a... Remember there was, like, a rom-com trailer for it? Yes, I do remember that. And it came out on Valentine's Day, and it was advertised as a date movie. And um, I think because of that, there were a lot of guys that were, like... And even if it was just as a joke, like, hey, it's a a date movie. Let's go see it on Valentine's Day. Um, Instead of Fifty Shades of Grey, which I think came out on the same weekend as the first Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of reminds me of that. So I guess I can see, like, how it could work. Um, and another last quick thing is that like the film opened extremely well. So the marketing evolved after release, like a lot of movies come out and they may not do super well and they'll stop investing in marketing. Like the opening weekends already happened. We're, we're done, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but this one did really well and they're like, okay, well let's see how much we can milk out of this. And they changed the marketing campaign to focus less on like keeping the spoiler hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can kind of bring in a different audience and then they, uh, they let like the actors be a little bit more open and honest in interviews and everything. Um, so if you thought it was just going to be a dumb, like, Oh, did he kill his wife? And you didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. Then you get to see the later marketing cycles where you see like, Oh wait, something more is going on here. And then you go see it. So I thought a really interesting strategy overall. Yeah. And by that point, a lot of people have seen it. So it's like, well, I mean, I'm kind of expected to know this at this point, but I wonder what it's about because I still don't know enough. Exactly. So I just think that this movie, it had a really strong campaign, um, really thought out, really well-rounded, and it shows in the box office numbers. Wow. Are you ready to talk about, um, we can talk about the trailer and poster real quick. I mean, we did talk about how the trailer keeps the big twist a secret. The poster is really cool. I just think it looks really amazing. It has like the news ticker tape in the background. There's eyes on it. There are eyes on it. I didn't know that. Um, it's, it's got like a white border, which I love in a poster, like the poster for the Logan movie movie also had like a white border. I just love that. Almost like a Polaroid-esque, uh, proportional border. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
big old white at the bottom, but like even everywhere else. I feel what you're saying. Cool. So do you have any ideas for maybe something else you would have done for the Gone Girl marketing? Uh, I think it would have been cool to like do a scavenger hunt. Oh, okay. Um, for people and like whoever, I don't know, in like certain big cities. And then if you found the stuff, you figured out the mystery, then like you got free tickets and like a flight to, I don't know, one of those places, New York. They're in New York the a lot, premiere. it like. Yeah, the New York premiere. Well, also just like New York, just like a fun trip. Oh, okay. Like, let's not just talk about the movie. Let's give them like a whole <laughs> thing, you know? Um, scavenger hunt could be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. Uh, okay, well, I've said my idea now. Okay, now so you now should say your idea. Okay, yeah, well, that's how the show works. The idea that I definitely have on the top of my head right now. Okay. Um, I can keep going. Okay, keep going. You murder. You what? Murder. Who do you murder? Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> no, that's a very important question. Who do you murder? I guess you fake murder somebody. Okay. Who do you fake murder? Oh, God. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. Um... <gasps> Ben Affleck. You fake murder. You fake kill that bitch. And everyone's like, wow, he's in this movie. It's coming out. And then like, uh, everyone thinks he's dead. And at the premiere afterwards, he walks out. He's alive. He was never (laughs) dead. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I just don't know the purpose of this. Well, because everyone's gonna be like, oh my God, it's his last movie alive. Like Ben Affleck. And then he comes out. And he's alive. And it's like, wow, that's kind of like how Amy in this movie uh, did things. All right. What about this? It's unrelated. All right. A Fritos Gone Girl crossover cookbook. Okay. So there's one scene in the movie where a woman walks up to grieving Nick Dunn and says, oh, you need look, you look like you need my world famous chicken Frito casserole, which to me... Sounds delicious. No joke at all. Sounds like it would be amazing. Best thing I've ever eaten. Mm-hmm. That is a joke. It doesn't sound good. But, you know, there's also a scene later where uh, where Amy is sitting on a float in a pool eating some Fritos. So F- Fritos had their hands in the, in the product placement for this movie. They were already involved in some capacity. So Fritos Gone Girl crossover cookbook. Can you tell me why you think Frida, the Fritos chicken thing wouldn't be good? I mean, Fritos are just salty corn snacks. They're, like, really salty. But I I think anyone that calls their food, like, my world famous, like, it's it's a red flag. You know? So what about my world famous cookies? You don't call them your world famous cookies. Well, maybe I should because people pay me for them. Well, then the red flag is going to pop up. I'm going to say, what did you do to these cookies? Did you put Fritos in them? I'm just saying, I'm not saying I want a Frito chicken casserole, but I'm saying, like, they're just... Really salty corn chips. Yeah. Like, they don't usually... They taste medium. I mean, they're really salty. I'm sure they would taste decent in a casserole. So why wouldn't you want to eat that? I just think... I mean, like, I put Fritos in chili. It's the world famous that you don't like? It's just the way she presented it. It just seemed like it wouldn't be a good thing. That just doesn't make sense. I don't want this casserole but i'm just saying i don't think that makes sense. it sounds like you want this casserole so like are you gonna be I'm home just, for dinner tomorrow night? Just, i'll make you the casserole i don't know what's in it chicken fritos 
Probably and, and uh, world famous spices and and special things. Probably things I don't like. Honestly, <laughs> everything has something I don't like in it. Probably cheese. You can't make a casserole without some good cheese. I That's think. not true. That's not true. Maybe it is. I mean, a good casserole, yeah, but I don't think every casserole has cheese. I mean, yeah, but like every burger doesn't have a burger. No, every burger also doesn't have cheese. <laughs> I mean, um, we really uh, lost the thread here. I feel like. Uh, I would uh listen, I have another really good idea actually. Okay, okay. I'm a I'm big brained. <laughs> so like on actual news stations they should have had like the rolling text and they should have said like uh amazing Amy still missing or like mm. missing for so many days. They don't talk about it at all. It just scrolls on the bottom. Uh and like I guess after it say like watch Gone Girl to to see what happens. Not that, but something good. And that'd be really interesting because, again, it's just subtle in there. They don't bring it up. It's just scrolling. You have to read it to see it. Interesting. Um, okay, okay. What about this? So Gone Girl, the book, was first published in 2012. This movie came out in 2014. That was fast. David Fincher immediately read this book and said, let's do it. Yeah, he did. He surely did. <laughs> but... I think Gillian Flynn should have, she knew, she knew this was going to be made into a movie. You all, know? all of them are, you know? Yeah. So she should have, even before she you know, wrote this book, started also writing an Amazing Amy series, a kid's book series, children's book, which like there is an Amazing Amy children's book in the Gone Girl Blu-ray that I own, but that was after the movie's release. They should have done it before and not said it's related to it at all. So people Ooh, are buying it for that their would kids. Have been a good point. And then when you, in the trailer, when you're like, "Amazing Amy's missing," everyone's like, <gasps> "I bought that book for my child." And then the kids are traumatized because they love Amazing Amy, and they're like, "Oh and no, now she's, she's missing. dead." And um, you can't market better than traumatizing kids. That's true. Well, then the parents come back and they say, "No, she's not actually really dead. This is a uh, this isn't real. It's fine." And the parents have to have a talk with their children about death and what it means. Uh, I do that regularly with a four-year-old I watch. We talked about today, about heaven. Look, there's two conversations that parents have to have with kids. I'm not a parent. I don't know. Um, you have the, the birds and the bees, mm-hmm. and you have death. But death is always so boring. So what's a more exciting way to name the death conversation? Well, listen, today he's telling me, he's like, well, your grandma's in heaven. Can't we just FaceTime her? I said, they don't have FaceTime in heaven. He said, they don't. I said, no, they actually can't have phones in heaven. They just can't. He said, why not? I said, I don't know. They just can't. So I'm frequently explaining to this child how heaven works. And I don't know if anyone else knows this. Phones are not, you cannot FaceTime in heaven. You can't. Apple, you should check You should check on that, Apple. That's what I'm saying. He's like, well, what about, how is she going to send you photos from heaven? (laughs) He literally was like, you can't. Um, listen, I think the four-year-old you babysit may not, I don't think he has the grasp on death that you think he has on death. No, I know he doesn't because (laughs) I think he also said that you can go to heaven and then you can come back. And I'm not going to tell him otherwise because he's going to be very sad when somebody dies in his life and he realizes that's not going to happen. So I just go along with it. Okay. So do we have like, you know, the birds and the bees, maybe it's like the, the graves and the trees. Uh, the graves in the dirt. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a good note to end our episode on this week, I think. Um, talk to your kids about death. 
<laughs> and and bees and birds. Uh, and how they all connect. I think, you know, we always have trouble coming up with like the little three points that we're going to put in our tweet. And I think um, Frito cookies and the birds, the bees and death is a pretty <laughs> good one or two pretty good ones to put on there. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay, well, this was an episode of The Marketer's Cut. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, find more of our podcast anywhere you can find podcasts or on YouTube. Learn more at marketerscut.com. Um, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marketer's Cut. Um, I want to thank Jacob Wall for his art. Uh, find more of his work on Instagram at Jacob Art Wall. Um, Jacob just followed me, his art profile just followed me this week oh awesome we've been calling him out on this uh podcast he doesn't listen for i mean i know i understand that however i've also known him since the sixth grade so you would just think you know (laughs) (laughs) um cool so if you're listening to this uh we're still a very small podcast we're still trying to grow so one thing that uh you could do to help us out if you want to is just to tell a friend or two about this cool show you listen to um you know, whether uh, you're one of our parents, like, you have friends, too. Your friends are also our parents. My mom tells the people at her work about the dog that I babysit once every four weeks. So, I mean, <laughs> I bet she probably would tell people about our podcast. Um, but, yeah, just tell, like, a friend uh, or two about the podcast and say, hey, go check it out. They're pretty fun. Or you could review us on Apple Podcasts. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. So, um, anything helps at this point. That's great. Uh, okay, well, we should leave now. I mean, we live here. Well, we should wrap up the podcast. Would you like to, uh, carry us out with a tune or a, some, some in-house foley? I just feel like I'm getting worse at these. Well, we can probably stop them soon because people don't understand what's happening anymore. <laughs> Do you remember last week? Can you just sing happy birthday? <laughs> No, do you remember last week? We, what was that thing that was so funny about the ball ball? Do I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Get, we're, we're gone now. No, we're out. I have to do something. I have to do something. Um, This is what it would sound like if I was eating you right now. All right, Chris Angel. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>